0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keen the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Thursday, June the 29th, 2023. Uh, We could focus on all sorts of bad news today on affirmative action, on the war in Ukraine and so on and so forth. But we're actually featuring a cheerful story, at least in part, uh, a cheerful story about a very successful new book. It's just out. It only came out on June the 20th, earlier this uh, week. And it's already got 450 ratings on Amazon, which is quite an achievement in a week. Uh, It's won all sorts of awards. It got uh, a front-page review with a big... uh, Photograph uh, in the New York Times, the paper of note when it comes to books. And this new thriller, which is called um, The Quiet Tenant, already uh, uh, has uh, movie rights. Uh, someone has acquired the serial killer novel, uh, Bloom House. So it's all good news. And the author, uh a a journalist called clemence michelon who is based in uh, new york is joining us today uh clemence uh, congratulations did you expect so much success i hope you say no you didn't expect the <laughs> whirlwind uh, success of the book i mean it came out originally in france what two or three years ago
1: no so that was a different book actually oh, okay. uh this is uh so first of all thank you for this wonderful introduction uh, and thank you for having me on the show i'm happy to be here um this is my debut thriller and my debut american book i had a different book that came out in france in 2020 i wrote that one in french exactly there it is it's it's a literary novel it's not a thriller and it's about a female bodybuilder who has to manage her sister's bakery for a few weeks and it ruins her life. So it's very different from my uh, serial killer thriller. But to answer your question, I think a big part of being a writer, if you want to be happy as a writer is to learn to manage your expectations. And if I had expected or hoped for any of what has happened with a quiet tenant, I would not have been a very good manager of my own expectations. So no, I was not expecting this.
0: Well, congratulations. You look still slightly shell shocked, which is a good thing. I (laughs) agree of all first time writers. I guess it's, I guess we could call this your first book, at least in English. The first, uh, the French book didn't get translated into English, the literary book.
1: Correct. It's French only so far.
0: Yeah, only France. Uh, Literary books only happen in France, Clemence. In England, they're different. In the United States. So, um, we, of course, want more people to buy the book. It's going to be a huge bestseller, already is, but tell us a little bit about it. T- tell us the, the story of the book without giving away the plot so that people actually go out and buy the book.
1: Absolutely. So I think about The Quiet tenant as the story of a man who has a secret and a problem. His secret is that he's not the seemingly perfect man that his community and his small town in upstate New York believes him to be. He is actually a serial killer who has murdered multiple women and who is holding another victim captive and alive uh, in a garden shed on his property. And his problem is that he has to move from this relatively large property to a smaller house that doesn't have a shed. And he decides to, or gets manipulated into bringing that captive victim with him to live in the new house where she will also live with his teenage daughter who doesn't know about her father's crimes. My dog is chiming in. Uh, And there is another female character in this equation who is a woman who has a bit of a crush on our serial killer character, does not know about his crimes either. And she's gonna try to get closer to him without realizing what she's walking into. And the novel is told primarily through three female voices, uh, the captive victim, the teenage daughter, and the love interest.
0: Yeah, I always wondered what men, particularly American men, did in their sheds. Now you revealed it, Clement. (laughs) Do you think most of these sheds with men supposedly building things are full of dead women?
1: I don't know. (laughs) I think that kind of crime is actually very, it's very rare, statistically. I actually had to look up... In, in order to write the novel as part of my research, I had to Google a number of things, but including the words, how to soundproof a shed. And I expected to find myself on some kind of blacklist, you know, for, yeah. for people who look up various things. And then I realized that was my own crime brain talking because most of the results I found were uh, for people trying to create home offices in their garden sheds. And that was why they needed to to, to soundproof them.
0: Well, that's what they say, but I'm sure yeah. that's the business of uh, murdering women. So, uh, as the New York Times review uh, introduces the book, um, calls it an assured debut, which is high praise from the New York Times, which tends to be a bit prissy about books. Um, uh, the book begins with a mysterious character referred to as uh, the woman in the shed who's been confined and raped for the past. Five years by Aiden Thomas, but this Aiden Thomas, uh, is as you say, a respectable man. What is it about Aiden Thomas? Is he insane? Is he mad? Or is he just a typical American male?
1: You know, I think he is both. Uh, I think what is fascinating with these uh stories of serial killers we hear about, uh, who are people who uh, manage to keep uh, an appearance, what we would call a normal life uh, with a job and a family, and then a separate life of unspeakable uh, cruelty uh, towards other people, is that they are somehow always both all the time. I think when uh, we find out uh, about one of these serial killer types, we kind of make the assumption that the crime persona, the cruel persona was the real personality uh and that the the good uh side was all for show and i'm sure to a degree there is an uh there is a, a a performance aspect in in that but i i think we're all ourselves all the time and that was what i was trying to explore in this novel which is why we have these three perspectives on Aiden someone who is victimized by him, someone who was raised by him, and someone who was transfixed by him. Because I felt it was the only way to tell uh, the truth about him. But he very much borrows from this idea of the all American, uh, you know, masculinity type. Uh, he is a working man, he's a father, he's, you know, he handles power tools he is helpful um he's a good neighbor in appearance
0: yeah a couple of works of art come to mind uh Rashomon the movie telling a story uh from multiple points of view but also of course Dostoevsky I mean were you influenced by Dostoevsky or other writers on crime in this book
1: Yes, I was influenced in the sense that in uh, creating a fictional serial killer, I knew that I was entering a very rich field uh, in literature and on the screen as well. And I, I took that task seriously um, I
0: like so that, a uh, rich, I mean, that's a nice way of putting it, a, ri- a rich field, not a rich shed, Clemence. So yes,
1: rich <laughs> a rich field, a wide open space where no one is held captive. But, you know, I think it to write a serial killer novel in, in our day and age is to be in conversation with, with with works like the ones you mentioned, but also... Um, in commercial fiction, you know, we have the specter of Hannibal Lecter looming very large over mm. us and and those like him. And then those real stories uh of true crime that I think are modern folklore in a way, you know, the, the stories of people like Ted Bundy. Um and I wanted my serial killer character to feel rooted in reality, but also I I didn't want him to feel like the fictional avatar of a specific real serial killer. Uh, and so I started doing something that I thought about as building him from parts. Um, I borrowed elements of stories I'd heard. So um, Ted Bundy was a law school dropout. My serial killer character did not go to law school, but he, he dropped out of a different field of study uh some real life serial killers i read about had a background in the military that's how my character became a former marine um you know that kind of stuff um and then in literature i i try to read widely and i think i was very lucky cuz i grew up in france so in high school, I was made to read books that I don't know if I would have tackled them otherwise, you know, my Zola, my Flaubert. Mm. Uh, I think Flaubert, if he wrote nowadays, would be marketed as a writer of domestic suspense with shades of horror. If you read Madame Bovary, the last scene, the, not the last scene, but the ending um, with Emma's uh, death is extremely um, sensational, uh, and yet it's this classic work of literature. So. I like to think that I gathered all my influences as a reader and try to make sense of all of them on the page.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, Julian Barnes is coming on the show in a couple of weeks. I'll have to ask him about Flaubert. He, of course, wrote Flaubert's Parrot. The French are pioneered, uh, I guess, what you might think of as realist fiction. You mentioned Zola, Balzac, of course, in the 19th century. You mentioned um, that your character uh, was rooted in reality but the new york times review um suggests that uh your the the three characters in your book are detached from reality is that the the core sort of um the 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 parallel shall we say realities of this work on the one hand your characters are rooted in reality on the other hand they're all uh They're all detached from reality. I'm not entirely sure what either rooted in reality or detached from reality means. Maybe you can talk about that.
1: I think when I said um, I wanted Aiden, my serial killer character, to feel rooted in reality, I think I meant that I wanted him to feel like he could have been real. I wanted him to feel like he belongs to the world that we know um, I wanted him to feel like he could be anyone's neighbor, uh, or maybe he reminds you of someone, you know, or someone you wish you knew. Um, and what the well, time
0: you like that.
1: well, no, not, I guess someone you wish you knew, if you only had the good side, you know, the helpful yeah. neighbor. Um, and then I think it was interesting what the Times said about the characters being detached from their realities. Uh, I think it puts words on something that I experienced as a novelist when I was working this novel, which is I don't think either of these three characters completely understand their own situations because the person, the, the, the character who is um, captive in the shed, obviously she only sees the side of Aiden that he wants to show her. And that is uh, a seemingly very powerful uh, side who literally has power of life and death over her. Um, his daughter, uh, the reality she thinks she lives in is that she is um, this, this child with uh, only one remaining parent because her mother recently died when the novel starts. And she has this dad who is very controlling, but also... A caring parent in some instances, and that's the world she thinks she lives in. She doesn't know she's the daughter of a serial killer. Um, Seemingly the woman who has a crush on Aiden, uh, her perspective is that she is uh, someone who's had a crush on him for years, perhaps half her life, and he finally pays attention to her, and that's a very rewarding, exciting experience for her. She doesn't know that the reality she exists in is the reality of someone who is about to get into the life of a serial killer and who is actually going to encounter great danger. And so I think all three narrators are unwittingly unreliable.
0: Yeah. And you write this as a journalist. I mean, your day job is as the uh, quote unquote, it's an interesting title. I wish I had this title, Uh, senior people writer at the, uh, the independent, uh, august English newspaper you write about the reality of America you just wrote a piece on Parkland um how, how do you balance uh, or perhaps juggle these two worlds of being a, a thriller writer a very successful one now and a journalist did you borrow uh a lot of the material for the quiet the quiet tenant from uh the work you do in America as a journalist
1: um there's definitely influences between my work as a journalist and my work as a novelist but I do try to separate the two and to when I sit down to write fiction I try to let my novelist brain communicate with my journalist brain only as much as strictly needed um I have covered true crime as a journalist um and spoken to people who's who had real life experiences with those things and I don't want people to talk to me during an interview and to then have to worry that something is going to surface in a novel. I don't think that would be fair. Um, so, m- my personal approach is that I think building a library of personal knowledge is okay. Um, you know, having that knowledge at the back of my mind of things that happened and uh, the perceived experiences of the people who were involved. Um, are with me always. And then I have to let the novel grow organically on the page. I have to do my job as a novelist, which is also what I'm here for. The reason I chose to write fiction, I think a big part of it is because I wanted to call the shots, right? I think in journalism, obviously you are beholden to reality and to truth and to fact and in fiction, you just get to make it all up. That's literally the job. And, um, it feels good sometimes to write novels that answer the questions that remain unanswerable uh, in reality. Because if you look into infamous stories of crimes, um, there are always areas um, of mystery and quen- questions that cannot be answered and things we cannot know. Uh, and I think we turn to fiction a lot to explore those questions and um take care of those parts of ourselves that are still wandering
0: yeah the times called the book uh, expertly handled and that comes back to your issue of authority and wanting to have the authority do you think as a fiction writer one has in, a, in an odd way more authority than as a non-fiction writer
1: you know I think so actually I do think so I think you get to set up the story the way you want And I think there are limits to this. Um, I used to think before I'd written a novel or two um, that because it's fiction and it's made up, you can do whatever you want on the page, right? Because it's yours to make up. But I actually think that the story is such an organic thing and characters um, Mm. grow as well that you actually, Once you're writing a story, there are only two or three directions you can take it into at a given Mm. moment, realistically. Otherwise, everything will implode. Um, But I do think that we get to set up our narratives and rewrite them if we find that they don't work. Uh, But uh, at the same time, uh, we have an added pressure, which is that uh, fiction has to make sense and reality doesn't have to make sense it Mm, it rarely does
0: fiction doesn't have fiction needs to make sense
1: yes whereas reality it can just be well and then this happened and it didn't make a ton of sense that it did but we know it did um and so we get to write about that but then in fiction it needs to make sense the story needs to hold up
0: yeah that's that's a very interesting way of, of putting it so fiction in a sense then talking about your word sense Fiction needs to be more real than nonfiction.
1: In that way, in the way that I don't think it would be very satisfying for a reader to read a novel that worked like real life. Because in real life, you can have a deus ex machina. Um, You can have things that fizzle out. Uh, In a novel, things need to build up and things need to read a conclusion. So I don't know if it makes more sense always but i do think it it demands to have an internal dynamic um fiction has to be you know something happened and then uh, and therefore something happens but something happens and therefore something happens and reality can just be this happened and then this happened and so this happened but and then this happened it's um this is inspired by am a writing tip that was given by the creators of South Park, actually, <laughs> which is that in, in fiction, every uh, everything that happens uh, need to be, needs to be connected to the next by either but or therefore. And I don't think reality obeys that rule.
0: There is, and I, I don't need to tell you this, uh, Clemence, a great deal of popularity of real crime fiction, real crime television, real crime movies. Do you think people... I, 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 two questions on this. Firstly, why? Why are people so interested in reading all this stuff? We've had lots of shows about it. And secondly, do you think people read or watch real crime stuff differently from fictional stuff? I'm guessing that some people will read this book and probably believe that some of it's true, at least.
1: That's interesting. I think, as you said, we do live at a time where stories of crime are certainly generating a lot of attention. I think the interest was always there. If you look into the history of true crime, you know people cared about those stories and related them before we had televisions, before we had screens. Um, I think part of the current wave of interest um, partly has to do with simply the, the the media that it's happening in. I think it's I think stories of crime are unbelievably well suited to The streaming platforms and podcasts. And I think there's an alchemy between those narratives and the way they are consumed that is absolutely um, unbeatable. Um, More profoundly, I always think when I try to ponder why people care, I think of uh, this reflection that the journalist and author Rachel Monroe has in a book called Savage Appetites, um, which is a nonfiction book about true crime that came out a few years ago. And in that book, she, she explains that in her mind, um, people turn to stories of true crime to channel their own trauma. And she makes the point that that trauma can be individual or societal. And there's this wonderful sentence that I believe someone tells her in one of the interviews she did for the book, which is that something has happened to everyone. Um, And which leads to your second question. I do think that people interact with stories they know to be true, uh, perhaps a little differently than fiction. I think, at least for me as a consumer of true crime and as a reader of crime fiction, when I'm watching a true crime documentary or listening to a true crime podcast, I'm not only reflecting about stories of crime and and crime and punishment in the real world, I'm also learning facts. I'm building that library of personal knowledge. And I think in fiction, at least for me, very often those stories of crime for me are almost metaphors for other things. I think a story of a serial killer, for example, can be a proxy to make sense of the kinds of cruelty that we more often experience, you know, most cruelty is not the spectacular violence of a serial killer. It's much more casual. It's much. It looks more like callousness or people in in our daily lives um, pretending they don't see our, you know, refusing to see our own feelings or our own experiences. Uh, and I think those stories of 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 very spectacular kinds of crime can serve as parables to make sense of those more common instances.
0: Yeah, I think it's intriguing what you say about the medium and the message, the fact that the Instagrams and the Twitters, the streaming platforms of the world offer the ideal place for this obsession with real crime. Of course, America being the home of real crime, both culturally. And in fact, um, and the medium and the message is, of course, McLuhan's idea. Uh, you, you're an expert both on the medium and the message. Uh, you, 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 you're based in the US, as as I said, uh, a writer for the for the London Independent. Um, you've written about Trump, a man of great cruelty. You've written about Parkland. To what extent um, do you treat America itself as a place? rooted in reality does it appear to you more and more as a, a fictional place and when uh, as a journalist when you write about it are you wearing your your journalist hat or your 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 fantasist hat
1: that's such a good question because as someone who moved to the us as an immigrant i moved here in 2014 i've been here for nine years um i a lot of your first contacts with America when you're a foreigner um, happened through fiction. Um, and so when I first came here as a child, I remember that maybe the reflection we had the most with uh, with my family was it's like in the movies." And I think a big part of living here for multiple years and making a home here is realizing that America is not like the movies, the movies are like America. Um, so no, I, I to me it's 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 this is very much a real place, um, and then I'm more realizing how it shaped our culture uh, throughout the years. But it certainly is. You, you did mention that it's a place of real crime, and um, as an immigrant, I, I every time I listen to a true crime story that is set in America, I do feel like I learn something about our country. Um, I think stories of crime are really good ways to get to know uh to understand um the society of a country the way it treats uh, people who are accused of crimes the way it treats its inmates um you know if you live in america you have to care about the issue of uh, mass incarceration um you have to wonder about crime and punishment in the us and how we talk about all this and um you know, the way our criminal justice system works and very often does not work. Um, I think if you start looking into all this, then it makes sense to have a holistic uh, approach.
0: Your killer, your your serial killer, Aidan Thomas, as you suggested, is a very normal guy, kind of guy we bump into in small towns around America. Um, we've done a number of shows on serial killers, some from a female Perspective one, uh, with a journalist who wrote one about uh, female serial killers who killed all the, the men coming home from war in Hungary after the first world war. Another fictional one is there a, a gendered element to this narrative, uh, Clemence? I mean, obviously, you're a woman and uh, Aiden Thomas is male, or, or, or do, me- do, do women make as good serial killers as men or as bad serial killers as men?
1: Um, to me, there is. There was a gendered element to this particular novel. This was the novel I wanted to write, which is interesting because a lot of the serial killers I've heard about targeted women and men, Um, and and I do think that is something we should talk about in true crime. And as you mentioned, there are female perpetrators as well, Um, although I do believe that statistically uh, most perpetrators of uh, violent crime are men. Um, But in this novel, I I came to it um, after uh, covering a lot of instances of male violence, specifically towards women. Um, I started writing this book in April of 2020, and the previous month, if I remember correctly, uh, was my last normal day of work uh, before we all went home because of the pandemic. And my last normal day of work was Harvey Weinstein's sentencing hearing in Manhattan uh i was in the courtroom when it happened i had followed the the trial uh in the weeks uh before before that and for me that novel was very much a post me too novel i had it was very much on my mind um men's violence towards women and um that was what i wanted to turn my attention to uh with this narrative i think because i i had some things that i was carrying that were too heavy, I was too angry, and I was too, it was, I, 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 I had too much, and I had to trap some of it in the pages of a
0: book. Let's end uh, with trying to create our own reality, as you suggested. America seems, and use this word carefully, imprisoned in its own narrative of murder, mass murder, serial murder, this weird disconnect between truth and reality what about France where you're from Um, a few years ago I had the current French president Emmanuel Macron who at that point had a beard very charming man at least back then France seems to be involved again conforming to its own reality if you look at the headlines today riots in France Um, apparently Paris is to close its bus and tram services tonight as riots continue you know France and, and the United States quite well. It seems as if France is just going through an endless repeat um, uh, of, of, of its history. Um, can countries, do you think, uh, Clemence, can they escape their histories or are they bound to simply repeat and repeat and repeat what France seems to be doing now? What an
1: interesting question. I don't think we're bound to repeat our histories. And I think maybe there's an element of self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If we think we're bound to repeat our histories then I think we will. Um, But I think we can and must um, escape them. Um, In the case of France though, I think it's good when a people has a history of protesting and demonstrating and standing up for for what for what they think is right and against what they think is wrong, um, so whenever there are protests in France, I I think it's a normal part of uh, the social dialogue over there, um, and it it is different to to the U.S. and I think countries are different, and it it's it would be um, uh, it would be unfair to expect France to work like the U.S. and the U.S. to work like France. I think it's okay for some countries to just work differently. Um, But I I fundamentally believe in progress. And I think we must remember and learn our history um, in order to uh, avoid repeating um, the bad parts of it.
0: You think America, Clemence, could learn a little bit from the French? Go out on the streets, demonstrate, burn some buses and cars, fight the police. Maybe we don't do it enough in America.
1: I mean, I personally, I, in, I, I support a peaceful march. I, I support protesting, and I think you know, I, I, yeah, I support demonstrating. I think it's, I think it's important. I think that's how people have historically acquired their rights uh and protected their interests
0: i hope it's not reversed i hope everyone in france doesn't read your book and turn into a mass murderer
1: no i don't think that's going to happen